Welcome in everyone to the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com and the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which you can get on uh, 100.9 on your FM dial in Tuscaloosa from 11 to noon weekdays at Southern Fried Sports. The Talking Tide podcast available to you at our web host at podbean.com. Also various apps including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And the ta- uh, Twitter feed, of course, Talking underscore Tide. Uh, you can get uh, alerts right away when uh, these twice-weekly podcasts drop throughout the fall and Travis we bring you in uh, coming off a resounding win for Alabama over New Mexico State and and just to kind of set the scene a little bit uh, the expected heat was legit I think the heat index was 100 plus degrees uh, on Saturday afternoon at Bryant-Denny Stadium uh, and uh, the, the the tickets that we uh, talked about in the midweek podcast we're going for 10 12 bucks a pop online uh well uh, my my friend who had a pair uh, out there for 12 ended up putting those tickets on a plate and eating them yeah and uh probably didn't taste all that good but here's some good news if you're an alabama season ticket holder and you're not going to go to a particular football game in early november at uh, Bryant-Denny Stadium, and you're going to be looking to get rid of them. That LSU win over Texas, Texas, on Saturday night, Chase. Uh, the ticket man around here, he liked that real good, you know, yep. because it sets up a uh, potential uh, Aruba trip for him, Aruba stay for maybe a month or two for what he's going to get for those uh, LSU Alabama tickets it looks like by that point in the season he's going to need it <laughs> <laughs> yeah still some tough weeks coming for the, the the Tuscaloosa ticket man yeah Southern yeah you, you tell me Brett Favre don't play for Southern Miss no, anymore uh-uh. no, no, no. <laughs> so that that one in a couple of weeks ain't going to exactly yeah. be high yeah he's going to be high he's going if he's yeah. going to Aruba he's going with a stake uh, on his eye you uh, know Hugh Freeze and Chad Kelly aren't at Ole Miss either huh yeah. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a, a rut when the weather turns cool. That's that's when he'll start to like it a little better, I guess. Uh, uh, but yeah. uh, uh, fast start this week for the Alabama offense, Travis. I guess we can start there. Uh, got off to a slow start against Duke in the opener over in Atlanta, which we touched on uh, a, a week ago. Uh, this time, Alabama right out of the gate uh, with quick points looked a lot more like uh, last season. It did. Uh, one play, one lateral, one touchdown uh, to Henry Ruggs, the third out there in the right flat. Uh, thought he got some nice blocks, specifically by uh, Devontae Smith downfield a little bit. But this is a guy, you get him out in space, and, and he gets in some of these straight line situations with that 4-2 speed, and uh, he doesn't need a lot of help. So it definitely was a, a fast start. Um you know, you kind of felt for two a little bit because that was oh so close to being qualifying as a pass play. But then you think back to some games like Texas A&M last year where Tua essentially tossed the ball about six inches in front of him in the air and Ruggs turned it into a 57-yard touchdown pass against A&M uh, a, a year ago, almost exactly a year ago now. But um, 
Yeah, Ruggs just showing you once again the explosiveness. Uh, I, again, I like the downfield blocking and the work that these receivers do for one another. I think you could make an argument right now that the best blocking chase on the offensive side of the ball is, is probably coming from the guys on the perimeter. They busted a lot of big plays with some big blocks downfield from receivers last year, and, and, and with the same guys back, you have to expect it again this season. Uh, Tua Tungavaloa, uh, 16-24 on the day, 227, three touchdowns. Had a touchdown run, Travis, that was that was outstanding, and, and to me, he looked as athletic and as healthy as we've seen him on that touchdown run, and it's got nothing to do with the competition. People might say, ah, it's New Mexico State. No, it doesn't matter who it's against, yeah. because what you, what you saw was a guy running with full confidence, not only in his speed, but also in his change of direction skills for two of that's going to translate against just about anybody maybe not for uh, a, a touchdown every time he gets loose but the point is uh, it, it shows how he feels physically I think right now yeah and he's done it against uh, better competition in the past he did it on a bad knee against LSU last November on a lengthy touchdown scramble uh, in red stick but I'm with you I, I like the decisiveness of it you're right he, he looked uh, very athletic, uh, had a little bit of a burst there. Uh, you know, he's not a guy that's going to run four six or sub four six probably at the NFL Combine as early as uh, th- this upcoming winter, I guess. But um, you know, certainly, certainly, uh, you know, again, his ability to to navigate pressure in the pocket uh, on both fronts, he can do it to get himself in position to make throws. But he can certainly do it if he needs to, uh, to break out of there and make some some plays with his feet. By the way, Tua Tonga Vailoa now has a longer run through two games than either of Alabama's top two running backs mm. with that twenty five yarder. How about that, Chase? Yeah, how about that? A lot, so a lot good of good news, breaking. bad news there. Good news, <laughs> bad news there, Chase. No doubt, uh, Jerry Judy. Eight out of eight for 103, receiving three scores for him. Second second week in a row, he goes over 100 yards. Also, his sixth straight game with a touchdown, going back to uh, last year's Auburn game, I believe, uh, was the beginning of that six-game stretch for him. Uh, Tungvaloa's favorite target for sure. And the guy just – it doesn't matter who he's playing against. The, the, the guy is, is, is dangerous every time he touches the ball, Travis. And even 100 career catches for Jerry Judy now, and an even 20 career touchdown grabs. You know, I went to one of the worst public schools in all of Duval County down in Jacksonville, Florida. Goodbread went to the Goodbread went to the uh, upper crust private parochial school down <laughs> Get there out of in here. Jacksonville. You know, he he came from money. Goodbread. You know, uh-huh. we were just kind of pecking and scratching around over there on the west side of Jacksonville. Goodbread had the advantage of a stellar, stellar secondary education. Really all the way through. Not not so much for me. But even with that background, Goodbread, I can tell you that's a touchdown catch every five times. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering where the hell that Judy yeah, tie was yeah, going to come yeah, in. You, you, well, you I, got around to it. You know? I had to preface it. Yeah. I had to qualify it. Qualify it. <laughs> They say. Yeah. Uh, once every five times. You had to it, jam the gate, but yeah. It's yeah. Shut, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but once every five times now. And look, you know, we talk about rugs in the game. 64 career catches for rugs now. 
Chase, 18 career touchdown catches. So Ruggs's catch to touchdown reception ratio is even better than Judy's, and I don't think Devontae Smith's is all that bad either. No, Ruggs, I guess, in the neighborhood of one and four. Uh, uh-huh. So, uh, uh-huh. yeah, the, the the rate at which those guys hit pay dirt is, that was is, about my that was about my dating batting average back in the single <laughs> days. One out of about every four, good bread. You know? Well, you know, one out of five. You know, yeah. every once in a while, two fifty will keep you in the lineup if you got to get enough gloves. You had to keep going up to the plate. You know, kept going up to the plate. Yeah, yeah, two fifty will keep you in the lineup if you got the yeah. glove. Yeah, but, keep you uh, out of double A. Yeah. <laughs> um, the defensive side of the ball, we'll dig into that here just for a second. Patrick Sertan with an outstanding in- interception. Uh, solid performance for sure by the Alabama defense all, all the way around, which would certainly be expected. Uh, but, you know, last week Diggs with an extremely athletic interception against Duke at one corner. This week Sertan's turn. They're pretty set on, on, on those two sides in terms of athleticism. Uh, I, I think Diggs and Sertan – if you want to talk about the the most athletic corner pairings that Nick Saban's brought through here, I don't know if those two are at the top, but they're up there somewhere. You know your guys are going to love them because they're 6'2"-ish, 205-ish, long, yep. athletic. Uh, the NFL is going to love both those guys. But, yeah, three more takeaways for the Alabama defense uh, in week two. Um so that's a that's a real positive. Shane Lee with his first uh, takeaway uh, of his young UA career with a fumble recovery. Josh Job, second year guy uh, with a fumble recovery in the game, and then the interception that you mentioned for Sertan, which that was his first pick, the second of his career, but his first since that A and M game when he got Kellen Mond uh, in September of two thousand. Your guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't get me going on that guy. Um, but, you know, it's been a while. And really, you know, researching for New Mexico State, I, I, I came up with the fact that Trayvon Diggs's interception against Duke, the one you just talked about, um, Jordan Battle had one in the game too, but Diggs's interception against Duke was the first – by an Alabama defensive back chase since the Missouri game last year. Jeez. Yeah, that was like October what? The the, the 15th, mid-October. Yeah, Alabama what... went like the last 8 games of last season without an interception from a defensive back. Yeah. Well, yeah, Mac Wilson and Anthony Jennings had interceptions for you. Deont- in, the, in the second half of the season. Yeah, yeah, and, and we we talked how Deontay Thompson disappeared a little bit as a playmaker toward the latter part of last season. That make up part of that reason, I and, guess. And Diggs goes out of the lineup just before that stretch. You know, Diggs went out for the remainder of the season at Arkansas. Well, I think Missouri was the next week. Savion Smith, of all people, had those two picks against Drew Locke uh, in, in home in the homecoming game, and then that was it. That was it for Alabama defensive backs over the rest of the, that 2018 season. 
Had to be some held breaths in Bryant-Denny Stadium, by the way, when Trayvon Diggs was carried off the field in the third quarter. It turned out to be a cramp, no big deal. But uh, sometimes it, it – and it was – I thought it was obvious from the television broadcast because you got a good close-up that they were working on a cramp. But in the stadium, right. people don't, yeah. people just see two guys getting them off the field with no weight, and uh, you know, bearing, and, and yeah. uh, they think the worst, you know. Well, and the recent track record of Alabama injury you know it too all too often it's been an acl or a foot or something along those lines instead of just a good old-fashioned simple cramp so uh they, they've got a little bit of uh they got a little bit of a reason there uh to, to kind of uh go a little bit off the deep end uh quickly but uh no you you know trayvon diggs is is one of those handful of guys that you talk about on this roster that you know this team really cannot afford to lose yeah. Will Reichard, a couple of strong field goals from long distance in this game. Travis, the freshman kicker uh, who hit the upright a couple times against Duke, comes right back and, and splits him pretty much right down the middle uh, with a couple of long ones. You know that had to feel good for him. Yeah, and it's not like, you know, again, just like the Duke game. He gets a 48 and a 49. So he's had four field goal attempts now, Chase, uh, in, in two games at Alabama. And none have been inside, what, 48, 47? I mean, that, that's been his shortest one. So uh, I thought it was really important for him to bounce back, um, maybe more so for the fan base than even Will Reichard. I think Will Reichard was probably going to be fine regardless. But, um, you know, he calmed a lot of uh, anxiety uh, among the fan base, I think, with uh, a couple of kicks that just honestly, you know, for a true freshman – those looked like Sunday kicks in the air. They weren't just of distance and with plenty of leg on them. Now, these things had about four-second hang time on them, and they were right down the middle. So uh, couldn't have been more impressed with Will Reichard on those field goals attempts. Need to keep those kickoffs in bounds. Um, but, you know, when you're – what is he now? He, he's pretty much – everything's been a touchback so far except for the one that uh, he kicked out of bounds on Saturday. Yeah, Alabama, I believe, one of like 15 teams in the NCAA so far that hadn't even had to cover a kickoff yet. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it's, uh, you know, it's been uh, – and I think Riker will be fine on kickoffs too, but you're right, a lot of pop on those field goals. Oh, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can just – the strength in his leg is, is plain as day for sure. And he gets a punt off. Uh, Nick yeah. Saban ran him out there, which, which you can only presume from that 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 there's at least a little bit of a crack in the comp- in the competition door at that spot, right? Yeah, we saw him punt against Duke too, but yeah, you know, it was interesting that it was you know Skylar DeLong got some opportunities and um, you know uh, just okay, I'd say. And you know the concern you have with DeLong is after what you saw from him last season and the struggles that led to him being replaced by a walk-on in Mike Bernier at the midway point of the season. Um, If confidence is an issue of any kind, uh, it it tends to magnify itself, uh, becomes magnified on the road, right? Uh, Whether you're a punter, a kicker, whatever. And so with this road trip coming up to South Carolina on Saturday, uh, it'll be interesting. I'll be interested to see who goes out there uh, first to handle the punting against the Gamecocks. 
people who laid that 55 points, Travis, you know, they it didn't turn out well for them, although they they had to be glad to see starters playing for most of the third quarter. And the first time I thought about those poor folks uh, was, was in that third quarter when, you know, we saw the ones take it for most of the way. We And even when Mac Jones came in the game, he played at least a series with the ones. Uh, I, I don't think we saw wholesale substitutions until about four minutes to go with a defensive series. Uh, but uh, and I especially with the heat too, and 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 the injury issues they've had, I was kind of thinking it was a you know one series and 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 done in the third quarter, maybe maybe for everybody. Uh, but in the end, uh, despite a pretty extended look uh, from the ones, uh, the the plus fifty five crowd ends up with the with the W. Yeah, they did, and you know those twos they giveth chase and they taketh away those second and third teamers you know against duke it was pretty much the second team offense um you know and the defense that they got you home if you had what was that one that was 33 alabama minus 33 against duke and uh you know you had the drone ford touchdown run and the jordan battle interception late that, that got you home if you laid the big number well against uh against New Mexico State, the twos actually had you in position uh, thanks to that long touchdown run from Keelan Robinson, the true freshman. 74 yards he goes late in the third quarter. Uh, the problem is that second team defense, second slash third team defense that was out there, we saw this some last year too. Remember, Chase? Alabama would go with uh, you know th- those, those down-the-depth chart guys in, in some games. And, and suddenly, some of these teams' rushing offenses started looking like 96 Nebraska, you know, or something. 95 Nebraska <laughs> yeah. or something. You know, the way they'd run the ball in Alabama's down. depth. Yeah. And, and that's the that's the, where the man has that knowledge that maybe you don't always think about. The man knows that depth chart real good, Chase, doesn't yeah. he? And he knows the last eight <laughs> minutes of, of a game, of an Alabama game, are going to go by real quick. They're going to go by re- a game yeah. like that. And, in the, and in the once blowout. the man gets on, yeah, and once he gets on top of you, you know, <laughs> that, that time just runs off. It's like, a, you're, you know, you see people saying, why, why is the clock running so fast? Yeah. You know, they're asking. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah. It, it's, it's not a running right. clock. It just plays like one. <laughs> so there you go. The Talking Tide podcast moving on here at podbean.com. We're going to take a quick timeout. Thank a couple of sponsors that – Keep us on the pod wave, starting with North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley. Make sure that you get your teeth and your family's teeth taken care of over there by Dr. Jack at North River Dental, 1100 Fairfax Park, conveniently located right off of McFarland Boulevard in Northport for all of your dental needs, whether it's porcelain veneers, pediatric dentistry, laser dentistry, teeth whitening services, endodontics, Uh, and plenty more. They do it all over at North River Dental Associates. The phone number is 752-3506. Also, you can make uh, an appointment on the web at northriverdentist.com. Routine cleanings, by the way, you're in and out of there typically in less than an hour. So get over to see them 
at North River Dental. Also want to thank Session Cocktails and Spirits, Tuscaloosa's newest cocktail bar, opening soon, a smoke-free environment on University Boulevard, serving modern classic cocktails, pre-prohibition cocktails, one of the finest and most talented bartending staffs around. It's over there at Session Cocktails and Spirits. Stiff drinks, classy atmosphere, opening soon. It's going to be at 2221 University Boulevard in downtown Tuscaloosa. I'm going to tell you about a couple of spots there in downtown Tuscaloosa as well. I'm going to start you with your breakfast quest, and it should start at Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, at Timerson Square. You're going to find that breakfast fry. You're going to find that build-your-own Bloody Mary that we've talked about so much. Hey, if you can't get by there for breakfast, maybe it's more along the lines of brunch or lunchtime that you uh, show up at Brick and Spoon. That Southwest Burger, that Southwest Burger is not a bad way to go at all. Chorizo, you got jalapenos on that baby. You got pepper jack cheese. That's a six-ounce fresh patty with lettuce, tomato, grilled onions, a uh, little sriracha aioli for you, good bread, on that Southwest burger. Trust a little me. heat. Yeah, it'll fire you up a little bit, but uh, you, you can trust it. it. It'll be good to you, I promise. Down there at Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, home of a top 10 breakfast in all of the United States of America. It's Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa at Timerson Square. From a pizza perspective, well, there's only one. And that's Heat Pizza Bar. Downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Wow. Frank, Fleming, Will, all the gang down there. They do such an outstanding job. The pizza, the pizza is the star of the show, okay? Uh, I'm not going to argue otherwise. But I can tell you this, in terms of salads, appetizers, um, you know, they, they take care of business there as well. Great, great options in those areas. But the pizza, again, the pizza is out of this world. Daily specials for you down there at Heat Pizza Bar. The personal favorite, the Thai chicken pizza. You're going to find that one on Tuesday nights for just 7 bucks. But again, every night of the week, you're going to find outstanding pizzas. I've told you about how important sports television management is in so many of these places in other words when you go in a heat pizza bar like if you go in there on a sunday the nfl is going to be on every one of those big screens there at heat pizza bar you're not going to walk in and have the food network on three screens okay or nickelodeon or or the cartoon network or or something like that they're going to take care of you the entire experience is outstanding at heat pizza bar downtown tuscaloosa at government plaza Talking Tide podcast rolling on at podbean.com. Also available iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. The Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. Chase Goodbread, Travis Ryer with you. A few more minutes. We're going to bounce around the Southeastern Conference uh, before we close things out here on the Sunday Nighter. Travis, it starts for sure uh, with this uh, uh, interconference matchup. LSU and Texas, 45-38, to the final score. Uh, the Bengal Tigers getting it done on the road uh, in impressive fact. Nice game for Joe Burrow, too. Oh, gosh. I mean, Joe Burrow looked like a Big 12 quarterback, didn't yeah, he? he did. And LSU's receivers, too. You know, there had been a lot of buzz and a lot of talk in the offseason. Wow, these these LSU receivers are ready to take another step and uh, become more of a complete 
group and Joe Brady coming in as sort of the passing game coordinator from the Saints. He's going to introduce some concepts from a route perspective that's going to change things for LSU offensively. And it's hard to argue with any of that after what we saw, uh, especially on Saturday night. There were big numbers in that Georgia Southern game uh, the week earlier, but against legitimate competition on the road, 45 points for LSU in the game. And, you know, it was a game chase that Texas, you knew Texas had to win that game on the edges, on the perimeter. Uh, And I think LSU set the tone uh, very early that not only between the tackles where you expect LSU to take care of business, but out on the edges as well. Uh, The the Tigers were going to be a a little too much for the, the Longhorns on Saturday night. Yeah, lower scoring first half. Second half, a little bit more of a track meet um, for sure. Texas's offense uh, sputtered some early and, and got hot late. But what you noticed about Joe Burrow, what, the, what LSU was able to do was every time Texas got within a score, LSU would put it back to two scores. And uh, you, you gotta you gotta tip your cap to Burrow, and I, I I've been down on Burrow. Uh, and by the way, I want to see him shred something other than Texas's defense yeah. before I completely buy in Travis. Uh, but for for a road game like that, top ten opponent, I and 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 knowing that you know you you couldn't just sit on a, a, a twenty one points you couldn't yeah. sit you couldn't sit on twenty eight points he kept the hammer down and kept the gas pedal uh pushed to the floor when he had to yeah I guess the other side of what we saw Saturday night especially if you're Alabama is that well looks like uh, Alabama might score more than twenty nine on lSU this time around because uh, Texas scored some points in the game. And you can talk about, well, one of those was late. Uh, you know, uh, Texas had opportunities otherwise, too. Give LSU credit. A couple of chances for Texas that really, um, you know, came back to haunt them. Think about those opportunities inside the 10, Chase. Um, I think they're in the first half. But LSU, again, give them credit. LSU defensively, you expect playmakers at pretty much every level of that group. Uh, but it wasn't like Texas was snuffed out offensively. So, uh, whereas it's all about offensive improvement for LSU because that has certainly been the burr or the, 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 the disability that they've had as a football team for quite some time now. Uh, I saw some things from Texas offensively that makes me think, well, you know, th- this Alabama offense is going to probably be able to score some points as well. Clemson 24, Texas A&M 10, uh, the defending national champions really in control all the way in this one. Kellen Mond, yeah, you know, ready to go. Ready ready to carry them, ready to carry the Aggies, you know. You know, it was was the – and ironically enough, it was his performance against Clemson a year ago that got people on the wagon. Oh, yeah. He, He lit them up. Uh, oh, he did. No, he did, and he's played well against Alabama. But he does the same things in terms of mistakes too. He'll put the ball on the ground, or yeah. you know, an inexplicable decision. Those things are still happening. Yeah. Those things are still happening, and he's essentially in his third year now as a starter. Um, and you know, it's one thing to say, well, you know, that was you know the first year was with someone. Um, you know, last year Jimbo's new. This is year two of Jimbo now. And we were promised that Jimbo, the quarterback whisperer and offensive guru, 
would have Kellen Mond in a far better place this year than he was a year ago. And I just still don't see it. I don't see it. And I'm not talking about the tough plays because he has physical attributes that allow him to, on occasion, do those things that flash and make you think, wow, this guy really does have that kind of ceiling. But I'm talking about the easier plays that he still doesn't make, Chase. You know, the the, 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 the eight-yard hitch, the, 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 the shallow cross. I'm talking about those plays. That's where I'm really looking for Kellen Mond to take another step, and I still don't see it. If things, hypothetically, uh, let's let's put ourselves six weeks down the road, uh, A&M's lost a couple more games. It, 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 things are not going well with the offense. Mond is, is up and down. Uh, does, does Jimbo turn to somebody else at, at that point and, and, and maybe get somebody ready for 2020? Well, Jimbo had another guy in Nick Starkle. Nick Starkle is now at Arkansas because Starkle couldn't get a whiff of playing time last year when it looked like it was going to be Starkle and Mond yeah. and that was the competition Jimbo's first spring and and Jimbo pretty quickly or at least going into last season he sided with Mond and it wasn't kind of a let's play them both and see how it shakes out through the course of the early stages of the 2018 season Jimbo went all in on Mond from the outset that's why Nick Starkle is at Arkansas now I think Starkle was a guy that could have helped A&M, especially in that offense of what Jimbo's really about offensively. Um, but I think Jimbo got blinded like everybody else. I mean, you look at Kellen Mond, again, he does some things on occasion that make you go, geez, this guy, I mean, he's worth the reps. He's worth all the reps. Um, but we're still seeing the inconsistency and outright deficiencies uh, on, on some of the things that you would think at this stage in his development would be gimmies, they're not at all for Kellen Mond still. BYU 29-26 over Tennessee in double overtime, a game the Vols really had in hand up three late in regulation. They have a bust in the secondary, a na- an ugly bust in the secondary. Uh, gets BYU right back in there and uh, – uh, uh, Another rough one for Jeremy Pruitt. Just an absolute gut punch. That game was one. And then here's the here's the problem for Jeremy Pruitt. This is where it hurts the most. Jeremy Pruitt is a secondary guy at his core, Chase. Yeah. His and unit. to basically lose the game because of a busted coverage. I I know it the you know, it still went to overtime. Tennessee still but at that point you didn't realistically think Tennessee was going to have the the moxie or resiliency to bounce back and win that game. That's the other part of this. That makeup of that program right now, in terms of intestinal fortitude, uh, it ain't there. Uh, and, and here's you know we talk about quarterback with Kellen Mond and year two under under Jeremy Pruitt. I mean under uh, Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, and you got what you got. And that's not to say Mond. Look, I'll say this, and Mond, Alabama will go out there in a month, and Mond will pull a Steven Garcia or something. You know, that that's what will happen because of what I just said about Mond. I'm sure that's what will happen. But the same thing with Jared Guarantano. I mean, is this the guy? You know, I, I, I think I think it's kind of what they're stuck with right now. But, um, yeah, it, it, the, the problems are, are, are far more numerous 
for Tennessee than they are uh, Texas A&M. And now, now, other than Chattanooga coming up this Saturday for Tennessee, you, you really start looking at that schedule and start wondering, okay, where are some of the wins going to come from, Chase? Yeah, yeah that's a good question. It, it, it's, it's looking like – it's looking bad. I mean, up front is where you worry. Florida, to, to, Georgia, Alabama coming up. They're not going to. They're not going to win on the line of scrimmage. Mississippi and, State. Yeah. You're going to beat Mississippi State. Not up front. Uh, it, it, I mean, and Georgia State beat them up front. That's how they That's lost that game. Yeah. It's it's yeah. uh it, it's a disaster for sure. It's going to be a 1988 right like start for the Vols. The Vols started 0 and 6 and 88. Last time they started 0 and 2 as well. Oof. And again, if not for Chattanooga this week. I think that's what you'd probably be looking at for this team. 0-6 at least. Missouri bounces back 38-7 over West Virginia. Are you buying or selling Kelly Bryant as a quarterback up there at Missouri, Travis? For Missouri, I'll buy him. You know, I, you know, here, here's here. Let me ask you this: You can start one or the other. It's your team, and you've got Kelly Bryant and Kellen Mond to choose from. Who are you going with? Give me Bryant. Give me Bryant yeah. right now. Yeah. I would too. And I, and look, I'm not saying Kelly Bryant is uh, you know, is Joe Montana or Dan Marino or uh, you know, any of these guys. But uh, yeah, I, I would probably go with Kelly Bryant as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, he uh, he's looked. Good. I guess my bigger I guess my bigger question that game Saturday is what the hell has happened to West Virginia? I mean, I know Holgo <laughs> left. Yeah. But to be down 31 to nothing to Missouri. I, and and Neil Brown, the former Troy coach, now at West Virginia, and and probably in time Neil Brown will get that thing where it needs to be, or is at least you know maximize what that program can be uh, in Morgantown. But uh, that 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 surprised me that it was Chase. I don't think that was ever really a game. You'd, ex- you'd expect you'd expect West yeah. Virginia to be ringing up the score. You you don't you're not well, surprised they gave up 38, guy. but they need to yeah. score 35 if they're going to lose that game. Yeah, and, and I know. Look, you know, Will Greer's gone. You know, they lost some key pieces offensively. Not just Holgerson moving on, um, but that that just surprised me that that game was so non-competitive yeah. as it was. It's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us for our midweek podcast when we uh, preview Alabama's upcoming game on the road at South Carolina. That'll come at you Wednesday or Thursday. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide. <laughs>